Welcome to the Third Variable Podcast. My name is LF Speller and I'm the host. You can find the show on SoundCloud and in the future where other podcasts are found. The show's Twitter is at 3RD Variable and the email is 3RD Variable Podcast at gmail.com. Send me feedback, topical questions, responses to topics that come up on the show, etc. Uh, send them to one of those places and we'll make this show our show. Now, I'll restate the show's purpose, uh, as this is the second episode since the re relaunch. And this show is called Third Variable because I'm a social scientist, and when researching and studying relationships between variables, uh, there are often other influences to consider. So I'm hoping that my voice might contribute to that additional influence you experience, and thus, the podcast. So, of course, I'll be speaking from my own perspective based on my personal worldview, but I welcome other perspectives, which is why I'm looking forward to what you have to say as well. Which launches us to our first piece of feedback from at id theory. And this is a personal friend of mine. And uh, he wanted to make sure that there is, you know, more structure in the scripting of the show. He uh, did mention that it seemed to wander a bit in the middle there, but don't you worry, at it theory, okay? And the rest of whoever else might be out there listening, whomever else. Uh, I do plan on having more of a scripted show with more thoughts. I did just want to put this episode, uh, or the last episode rather, out there just as a launching point so that I could make sure that I did what I had been intending to do and to keep that consistency and that thing going. So I'm looking forward to additional feedback and I'm looking forward to having conversations. Uh, you can certainly expect for there to be guests on the show and I'll definitely be sharing my thoughts and opinions on current events, maybe some sports, maybe some entertainment and you know whatever else it is uh, that fits into our categories of the topic and what's really good, as I talked about last time. So what I wanted to say this week, um, the topic for this particular show is on facts and opinions. And I found this topic to be something that maybe I wanted to launch into earlier on in the relaunching of the show, just because I wanted to make sure that we are understanding where, at least where I'm coming from when it comes to the facts and the opinions that are being stated. So everyone has access to dictionary if you have access to this podcast. So, you know, you can feel free to look up your definitions from your uh, source of choice. But we understand facts to be verifiable information that has in essentially a basis of truth, right? And opinions to be uh, our own personal thoughts and reflections on something that hopefully we've had time to think about. And it doesn't necessarily uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a factual thing. Like you can have an opinion on a matter and not have it backed up by facts. So, you know, everybody says that, you know, opinions are like, you know, whatever it is that everybody has. We won't have to get explicit here, but facts, uh, opinions are like those. Everybody has one. Okay. But the thing about it that I like to add on an addendum I'd like to make to that statement is, but not everybody's opinions are as valuable as others. Right. 
And so I plan on doing an episode on expertise relatively soon, maybe even the next episode. But if you have an opinion on something, right, you take some facts, especially if it's a fact-based opinion, you take those facts, you create an opinion based on those facts, and if you have expertise in that field, then I think your opinion is far more valuable than, you know, just someone who's bored, they open up one of these social media sites, they see something, and then they want to voice their opinion uh, at the same level as uh, anyone else, right? I, and, of course, we could talk about how this is uh, an opinion of that I hold, which is certainly true. So with this kind of op-ed, opinion, editorial-type podcast that I'm running here, you know, occasionally I will have some opinions that I hold, and um, often I think that they will have some facts behind them, especially when I start talking about things where we have resources from academia that we can support them. So if I start talking about education or politics or um, economics or any of those kinds of things, I hope to have adequate research before I get on the mic, you know, get it live and then start spewing out things that will be online as long as the internet exists. And so... This space um, will be different, I guess, from a factual data report because of the purpose of the piece and the interpretation involved that I will be discussing uh, will likely have some analysis, will likely have some interpretation. And so whereas my statements can contain and where our statements can obviously contain facts, the important piece that we want to focus on here is that opinions are interpretations of information and analyses towards conclusions that can be debatable and aren't necessarily based on facts, right? And in the general sense of it. Again, in the future, we'll talk probably more about expertise and and all of that, but just generally speaking, the facts aren't debatable about things, but opinions and your interpretation of what the facts might mean or your analysis or any type of extrapolation you might do, that can be debatable, right? And so I just came up with a couple of questions that I wanted to talk about and discuss when thinking about this. Before I get into the questions, though, the reason why I started to mull this over was because in thinking about this topic of facts and opinions and, and my thoughts on the topic and it sort of being one of these um, ground-laying foundational pieces for whatever it is that we're doing here at Third Variable, uh, I remembered an article that I read from Pew Research, who was going to be one of the sources that I use for sure. Um, you see, you'll, if you go on Twitter, you'll see Third Variable definitely follows several different Pew uh, accounts and they are a nonpartisan think tank essentially, uh, but they do surveys and they do uh, and they collect data and about you know social things and political things, economic things and you know um, and so those sources and others of course and other articles will be uh, likely where I'm getting my information from. But one of the things that they had was an article that said, that, which was entitled, Younger Americans Are Better Than Older Americans at Telling Factual News Statements from Opinions. 
And the the first line of this is, while some say wisdom comes with age, younger Americans are better than their elders at separating factual from opinion statements in the news, according to a new analysis from Pew Research Center. Um, and so I won't go into all of the different percentages and, you know, uh, all the specific methodologies and details, but I can provide a link for this. Um, but essentially what they did in this is over a period of time, they asked U.S. adults to categorize five factual statements and five opinion statements. And uh, as the report revealed, about a quarter of the Americans overall could accurately classify all five factual statements, about 26%, and about a third could classify all five opinion statements, 35%. And they found that age mattered in the analysis um, and about a third of 18 to 49-year-olds, 32% correctly identified those things. Um, and among the 18 to 49-year-olds, 44% correctly identified all five opinion statements as opinions, compared with 26% among those ages 50 and older. So it was it's an interesting thing, um, just because I think we are inundated with so much information and the way in which we get our news, you know, it's it's changed over the past 20 years, um, how we are getting our news sources from evening news and newspapers to, you know, some people might be reading blogs or other types of uh, periodicals, or definitely from online sources and certainly um, from smartphones, for sure, with the increase in the advent uh, of that technology. So... You know, the fact that people struggle in general with correctly identifying all factual statements uh, and all opinion statements is alarming to me. (laughs) Humans make errors. That's fine. But I would like to think that uh, more than 32 percent of ages 18 to 49 and more than 20 percent of ages 50 plus would get all five factual statements correct right it it's it's i guess a little disheartening maybe a little bit scary that folks are reading statements and and getting these things wrong now you can take this test as well i think the link might actually still be live i took it and uh you know a little bit of a boast here i got all of them right but i will say that i maybe i took more care because see this is the other thing about research you gotta you know understand who, what who and what people are and how they participate in these things, I took great care to make sure that I was reading and that I was understanding what the sentence was saying and thinking about it. Some folks likely just kind of answered and maybe just overlooked something and made a mistake. That's fair too. Um, But some of these things sounded like facts, but they were afraid, but they were opinions that were sort of uh, stated assertively as if they were facts. And we see that folks do these kinds of things all the time, right? And generalities and and the like will um, prevail and are very prevalent in people's uh, social media posts and, and their opinions on what they think. Um, so there's lots to unpack about this. And so one of the questions that I have that came about after taking this thing myself and looking at the statistics about... Uh, well, I guess I could read you an example of a fact and opinion statement. So one of the statements, I won't tell you which one, but it says um, healthcare costs per person in the U.S. are the highest in the developed world. Another statement says uh, 
immigrants who are in the U.S. illegally are a very big problem for the country today. So the latter one is an opinion. The former one is a fact. Increasing the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour is essential for the health of the U.S. economy. That's an opinion. All right. ISIS lost a significant portion of its territory in Iraq and in Syria in 2017. That's a fact. And so depending on how we phrase things, and those in journalism field and those in media and those in communications know how to craft statements so that they ride the line and that they somewhat uh, obscure a clear indication of whether or not it's a truth or a factual statement. And when it, things confirm what you might already believe, it can make it even harder to discern the truth from an opinion. And so I'm just wondering, how much are we valuing the information that we read? Do we spend time thinking about what we read? Or are we just gleaning from the headlines, getting a hot take, you know, and running with it? How much do we value the information? How much do we value the sources of the information that we're reading? Um, you know, how well are we able to determine these facts and opinions? Right? This report tells us that we're able to for the most part. So, you know, if those who were getting two or fewer of the five questions correct were 26% for ages 18 to 49 and 31% for ages 50 plus. So that's still roughly a quarter to a th- almost a third, right? And so if we aren't necessarily valuing the news sources, we aren't necessarily valuing the information enough, in my opinion, admittedly, to consider what it's saying, what it means, and if it just sounds good or if it sounds wrong, and we react to it. Everything is moving so quickly that much of our critical thinking has been reduced to reactions right and 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 hot takes you know how how are we able to determine this how what is our process of doing do we even care if we're doing this right and then another thing that's i guess tangentially related to this that's somewhat related to this infotainment versus information or entertainment how much of it how much news do we get has to be you know, sensationalized? How much of the news that we take has to be um, entertaining? Do we have to have it presented to us in such a way that we have fun when we're listening to the news or current events or any of those things? Another question that I had is, are we doing as well as the stats say we are regularly and not just in the context of this study? Again, this, this harkens back This goes back to what I was saying about, you know, me taking the time that I felt like I needed to take in order that I might actually get the correct answer. How often does that happen? How regularly does that happen? And do I even, in my skimming through social media, skimming through the news sites and articles, skimming through the headlines, how often do I take the time to? stop and think about what it is that I'm ingesting. I will say that I make it a regular habit that I do not, and I try very, very hard, do not repost anything where the date is old 
or somebody is really obviously making a hot take or it strikes a nerve and my instinct or my reaction is to comment or talk about it because, you know, then heaven forbid should it gain traction and just be out there. And then now I'm stuck. Can't erase anything on the internet because people will screen grab for days. You know, and now all of a sudden there's this mark on my record, right? And so, whereas I might take my time when it comes to trying to make sure that I am scoring things accurately in that test-like situation, when it comes to the real world, how much am I doing that, that same behavior? Is it serving me well? Now, I tend to think that I do it at a relatively consistent level, but not everybody might do the same uh, that I do. And another thing about this whole intake of information, this whole critical thinking piece, this whole interpretation and analysis that we might do, um, you know, any type of projection that we might use in the future based on what we're thinking about, how much time do we spend thinking about it before we move on to the next thing? There's in a 24-hour news cycle, we hear that phrase often, or at least I do. There's just so much information that comes in, and especially if you have an interest in worldwide politics, things like the elections in Nigeria or the um, the fact that it is March the 13th and uh, the United Kingdom is coming, uh, Great Britain for, sh- for sure is coming up on their Brexit deadline and they still don't have any... Uh, resolution or anything, any plan, any um, any way to organize their economic structure with the European Union once they're gone. Like, if you're trying to pay attention to all these things, unless you're, you know, in the business and getting paid to do this stuff, you know, you don't have a lot of time to to sit and think about the impact that it might have. You know, you might be able to do that on your commute. Um. But, you know, we also have a lot of, you know, a myriad other things that we have to pay attention to from our own social lives and our family lives and, you know, state and local politics and other things that we hopefully, being good citizenry, are paying attention to. Right. How much time do we spend about these things before we move on? And the last thing is a little bit more of a broad idea. And it is, you know, what is this doing to our critical thinking and our attention? Um, again, some of this stuff might be repeat uh, when we when we um, talk about other topics in the future, especially like I, as I mentioned before with expertise. You know, the critical thinking and the retention that we have, I believe, is being impacted. And I believe that once we I start doing the research for the show, I think I'll find some some evidence of that, um, particularly because we can so readily look up information. Just kind of keep it hanging out in the short-term memory banks that we have. And in the context of why we needed to look it up in the first place, you know, resolve that current situation and then not even have to worry about you know, dealing with that information in the future. Now, could it be a, a good thing because everything moves so quickly and you know, it's relatively easy to go ahead and just... Um, look up the answer you need and move on because you likely will just need it once, perhaps. But I think 
that it has a greater it has a potential to have a greater impact on what we do habitually when it comes to learning, when it comes to memorization, when it comes to data retention, um, that might not be the best thing for us. So that's my thoughts on the facts and opinions as far as I'm going to talk about that today. Feel free to respond to the show at third uh, variable. So that would be at third variable or at 3RD variable. Uh, that will get to the podcast or so DMs or mentions, and that'll be fine. Uh, you'll see the link to my social, uh, my Twitter there, at DatPsychGuy, D-A-T-P-S-Y-C-H-G-Y. Uh, or you can email us at uh, the email address, 3RDVariablePodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I think I might also tweet the link out or the study from the uh, page from the Twitter page so that you could see that if you like. And I think the link for you to take that quiz yourself might still be live, but I'm not sure. Depends on, you know, how, how late they keep their links open. And with that, we'll go into what's really good. All right, so what's really good? A couple things happened since the last podcast recording that have been pretty good. What's really good with me? Uh, went to a friend's birthday party at a restaurant that I had not tried, so I had the duck curry for the first time. That was dope. Um, let me see. There was something else that happened, a couple of other things. Oh, I saw Captain Marvel. Dope. I'm a big comic book fan. I'm a big Star Trek fan. Uh, I'm a D&D fan. So occasionally in the What's Good section or What's Really Good section, I'll be talking about those things. Um, but Captain Marvel, it was good. I may do a review. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I'll do that for the next one just because uh, I saw uh, the topic for what's really good happened before I saw Captain Marvel. Nevertheless, we'll go ahead and launch into the main what's really good uh, for this particular episode. So the wife and I were watching um, this documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve. And if you've seen it, you already know where I'm going with this. If you haven't seen it, maybe you should watch it. At the very least, it's a source of entertainment, right? Now, this documentary on Netflix is highlighting the history of sorts, if you will, of the current movement of flat earthers and essentially their their rise, if you will. So it follows a couple of people. Um, the guy, one of the main guys who um, who started this movement, I guess you can say. I mean, I'm sure people have been thinking the earth is flat for a long time throughout human history. And even once we decided that it was spherical in shape through science, there are still folks who were like, oh, maybe not. 
So I'm sure there's a through line, a, th- a thread through time where people have always considered the earth to be flat. Nevertheless, in this modern age with the internet and with people's ability to make videos and sometimes use pseudoscience to back it up and sometimes make up facts to back up their own opinions, these folks are on a roll. When I tell you that we were watching this documentary and we were in disbelief, uh, my wife's a teacher and I am, like I told you, a social scientist. Um, and so education is important to us and to our families. And miseducation can be such a travesty. And these people are not just flat earthers, but they are also advocates for the dismantling, if you will, of science as we know it in the sense that they think that their version of science and the scientific method and highlighting how it is that they've determined through their own course of study that the earth is flat should be taught alongside other methods. Uh, And, you know, they have all of these accounts and they have a network of individuals who work with each other promoting this flat eartherism ideal and they meet up with each other and they even had their flat earth conference and they got together and they met and they spoke and they had presentations and whereas it's very very cool that you can use the internet to meet up with people who have common belief systems or common uh enthusiasms i guess as you but it's very strange that they would not only celebrate their belief and in their community that the earth is flat but then they would also be so determined to go against the established scientific community And one piece that I thought was very interesting and probably a good idea that they did include in this documentary was some commentary by a gentleman um, who stood up and started to talk about the fact that, you know, just because you are a physicist or some other scientist and you, you know the earth is not flat, it's not a good idea to pit these opinions or these perspectives against one another in an adversarial type way. Because his argument was that somewhere along the lines, these people who are so adamant about their flat earth theory, they have an interest in the subject of you know geology or astronomy or you know, whatever else applies in this category or on this particular subject. But somewhere they went another way that is unfortunately, you know, a a distraction and a detracting factor from actual science. And so by encouraging them and bringing them along and having discourse, that might be the better way to maybe shape ideas. And I think that his position on that was interesting because it can obviously be applied in several other areas. 
Now, there's also something to say about people who maybe just are willing to be dissenters and are willing to just disrupt things because that's where they find some level of uh, belonging or uh, joy or reason or purpose. Um, and so you can't always you know, get people who aren't interested in viewing the other side to come along with you. But nevertheless, I thought he made a good point. Um, there was a lot of cringe in the documentary, but there was also entertaining, right? And so there was also a piece in there about, I was really glad that they included this, but they talked a bit about the imposter syndrome, and which is, you know, you reach a certain level, uh, perhaps, of knowledge, and you start to discover that you don't really know as much as you would like to know about something. And so you begin to feel like an imposter, although you are probably more knowledgeable than the average person in the subject. And as you gain more knowledge, you feel like you, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, that kind of idea. But then they also talk about, which I was very glad about, they talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is essentially the opposite of that. And it's where you don't actually have a grasp of the information, but you have this bias where like your low ability gives you this idea that you really know what you're talking about and you think that your ability to understand the subject is superior than what it really is. Like you have this positioning of yourself as an expert where you don't really have expert level knowledge. And it's fascinating, right? This is why I went into psychology in the first place, things like this. Um, so nevertheless, the imposter syndrome and the Dunning-Kruger effect were covered in this documentary. And I mean, I guess at this point, I might as well do something on expertise because it this leads so so well into that. But nevertheless, so these folks had a lot of this... Um, this happening, especially at the conference where they tried to present certain studies or things that they had done. Um, and towards the end of the documentary, you'll see them take part in experimentation and all those things. And in case you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but you can watch it and see, you know, whether or not they find some confirmation in additional confirmation, more than what they already have, in the, the fact that they have so deeply bought in into, right? The sunk cost effect for some of these folks is probably through the roof. And sunk cost effect is essentially where you feel like you have to keep doing something because you've already put so much into it. So it's very interesting, especially when talking about facts and opinions. So in conclusion, I'd like to say that we ought to pay attention to what is fact and to what is opinion. And whereas we may disagree on our opinions, we can still be cordial, we can still be civil, and we should definitely try to make sure that we are understanding what the facts are on which we're basing our opinions. The facts are on which we are relying upon to perform our interpretations and our analyses. Because if we can agree on what is factual data, on what is the truth of the matter, then I don't see much value, personally, in even engaging in debate 
because we're operating in two different realities. So, critically think about things. And if you don't know, it's okay. Experts exist for a reason. And with that, this has been another episode of the Third Variable Podcast. You can reach the show via Twitter at 3RDVariable. Email the show at 3RDVariablePodcast at gmail.com. You can catch the show on SoundCloud. My personal handle on Twitter is at D-A-T-P-S-Y-C-H-G-U-I. And I'll have some other pseudonym. Usually some pun or comic reference is my name. When you tweet at the show, be sure to use the hashtag, hashtag 3VP. And we out. Peace.